You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. I want to start off just by saying happy Father's Day, first of all, to all of the fathers out there. Hope you, yeah, what's up? Hope you got your chocolate bar. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and you know, if you, if you uh, do not have biological children, but, uh, but you have some children in the faith, I'd say go grab yourself a chocolate bar, okay? So what's up? Um, also, today is Juneteenth. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm sure if you grew up in Texas, you know what Juneteenth is, but for those of you who don't, maybe for those of you listening online or whatever, uh, Juneteenth is the day that the news finally reached the last, uh, the, la- the remaining slaves here in Houston, in Texas, in Houston. Uh, it took two years for the Emancipation Proclamation to actually, the news to reach all the way here, sadly. So for two years, these people were free and they didn't even know it yet. They didn't have that news yet. Um, and so, um, man, I'm going to be praying a prayer uh, in light of Juneteenth uh, here in a second. But, man, it also makes me think of the fact that there's so many people around here who do not know the freedom that they have in Christ. And I think it, it's a good reminder of that as well, that it, it points us to this reality that, that there, is, there, there is so much work to be done. And, and at the same time, like, even though, you know, the, the, emancipation, uh, the, the Emancipation Proclamation was, you know, hundreds of years ago. Here, we are still struggling for justice, even. And so, um, there's, a, there's a lot that we're thinking about and thinking through. But uh, as a church, we want to be a church that is praying for and caring for uh, our community well. Uh, and I, had a, I found a, a prayer, a Juneteenth prayer that I liked. And so, I'm going to go ahead and read that and pray that. Um, so, let me find it here. I'm sorry. I'm not prepared enough here. Um, here we go. Okay, so let's just pray together. Dear God, grant us grace to contend fearlessly against evil and to make no peace with oppression. Help us, like those generations before us who resisted the evil of slavery and human bondage in any form and any manner of oppression. Help us to use our freedoms to bring justice among people and nations everywhere to the glory of your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 And what a great day to then also be talking about our final rhythm, which we've been, or, uh, we've been talking about these, these rhythms, these uh, things that we participate in, the final rhythm of rest, of rest. And as I mentioned, we are gonna, we're going to be, I'm going to be working through these, um, I'm going to be working through my notes. I want, I, I, Josh has done this before. I'm going to do this today. I need to keep my eyes on my notes today. I have not had the same amount of time that I normally have to prepare. Forgive me, but uh, I'm going to stay kind of focused on that. Um, and I, but I hope that, that we can all learn something from this. But we've been going through this, uh, this, uh, this whole sermon series called Rhythms, Rest for Your Soul. Um, and we've been going, it's three weeks only. The first week I got to kick us off talking about uh, work. And the idea that our work is, is essentially healthy rhythms of work is essentially participating in the work of God, in the work of bringing truth and beauty and goodness into this world, to bring creativity into this world, to make this place a better place. Uh, and then Josh came and spoke on uh, rhythms of growth last week, uh, and he talked about the idea of growing within community and then growing individually. Uh, and so this week, I'm going to be diving into the rhythm of rest. Uh, I love it that I get to do work and rest because I like, feel like that balances everything out for me personally. Um, 
And these rhythms, they're, they're really things that um, we are thinking about seasonally. So as a church plant, we're thinking about ways that we can help engage our community and get you guys thinking about healthy rhythms. And so uh, in the fall, with the, we're, we're going to be thinking about rhythms of work. We're going to be going, like, how can we do more outreach? What are some more kinds of events that we might be able to put on? And so we're going to be like, come on, let's go, let's go do something big, you know? Let's do some stuff this, this, uh, this season. But then, like, winter to spring, we're going to start thinking about, like, the idea of, of spiritual growth and spiritual health. And, you know, it may, and hopefully we're bringing in more people. You know, we see more new people coming in, and there's discipleship needed, right? Uh, and there's, there's, there's a need for that spiritual growth and health. And then the summer, we have this season of rest where community groups kind of, like, get to do what they want to do. So they may take a step back and say, we're not going to meet during the summer. Um, we'll hang out every now and then or something like that. But, but we need a little bit of a break. It's been, it's been a long and, and difficult year and summer gives us a chance to rest. And so, and it really works along lines with what we see in our, in our society where, you know, the summer really is a season of rest. Um, but hopefully all of these little, these ways that we do this corporately gives us ways to put this, you know, get this into our lives individually to begin to think about how we have healthy rhythms of work and growth and rest uh, in our own lives, you know, uh, whether that's uh, whether that's on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis or yearly basis or whatever, but that, that we would be thinking about when we come home from work, like, how do I rest well, you know? Uh, and maybe even when you wake up in the morning, how, how can I feed my spirit? How can I grow a little bit more this morning thinking about rhythms of growth? So there are ways to do this on daily, weekly, and monthly basis, like I said, and we hope that this trickles over onto an a individual basis. But we're going to be uh, jumping into our sermon here, um, and we're going to be talking about these, these rhythms of, of rest. Uh, I'm going to start us off, actually, I'm doing today so different, so backwards from what I normally do. I'm going to kick us off with a devotional. That's actually like my opening sermon illustration, kind of a devotional. Um, so you're going to get like extra scripture today. You're welcome, okay? Uh, anyway, uh, so we're going to be, in, real quick, we're going to look at Mark. I was looking at this this week, Mark 6, 30 through 31. It just stuck out to me in a way that I was like, man, this is so good. I just, this is a good, a good opening for the sermon. Um, but Mark 6, 30 through 31, it says this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did, uh, and they did not even have time to eat. I love this. The, the, the disciples have just gotten back from going out and, and preaching the gospel to a bunch of people. You know, they've gone out and done their thing, and they get back, and there's just still people coming. People in, there's so much need. There's so much need, right? And it's not, just, it's not just one of those days where Jesus is just chilling with the disciples and like, hey, let's, you know, let's, y'all want to eat some lunch or something like that. This is a busy day. This is a very, like, they can't get away from people. They're constantly ministering and there's mo- so much need. They can't get away from it. And, and Jesus is just like, y'all, let's go get lunch. You know what? Let's go get away from all this craziness and go get lunch. And I think, man, that is not the temp- typical temptation. Typically, when you, have, when you have like ministry work that's like good work, you're like, ooh, I'm meeting needs, I'm helping people, and there's more people coming, they just keep coming. Like the temptation is like, okay, well, we'll figure out uh, a system so that everybody gets, you know, everybody gets fed. You know, you take your lunch break, you take your lunch break, and then we'll keep on meeting these needs. And, and Jesus is just like, y'all need a break. Y'all need to rest. Jesus is going to take care of himself and take care of his disciples. And you're like, let's go. He just leaves. People are like, wait, wait, wait. I need healing. I need prayer. 
And Jesus is like, My, we need rest. And he, like, that's strange to imagine Jesus doing this. And it's strange to imagine anybody doing this. Because the reality is that when the work is piling up, when the to-do lists keep getting bigger, you know, when, you, when you've come home from work, a, a long day of work, and then, you have, uh, and then you have more work at home to take care of, mowing the lawn, and then you get a restless night, you know, no sleep at night, the temptation is just to plow forward. And Jesus, on a day like this, just says, let's go get some lunch. Let's get away. Let's go be by ourselves. And they, they go off by themselves. They go to be by themselves and get some lunch. That's incredible. It's a very different picture of the Jesus that we often, I think, often think about. The Ameri- the, uh, in, in the American mindset, we like to think about how, how hard of a worker Jesus was. He was a hard worker. He did a lot of work. He's, he was ministering everywhere he went. And yet, at the same time, there's a very different picture of Jesus. If you begin to look back at, if you go through the Gospels, it's interesting Jesus is like all through the gospels eating. Like you'll see him eating everywhere he goes. He loves to eat. He's eating at Pharisee's house. He's eating at tax collector's house. He's identified not, not he's not identified as that great miracle worker over there by, by his enemies or obviously not. But he's, they're, they're like, he's a, he's, a, he's a drunkard and he's a glutton. And he hangs out with those, you know, the, the, the riffraff, uh, you know. They're, he's a drunkard and glut. They are describing him by the fact that he eats and drinks a lot. He goes to parties. This dude goes to the wedding and he's like, we need some more wine. Like, yeah, let's take care of this. You know, like Jesus is a guy who knows how to relax. In fact, even more so, like he slips away often, right? Like he just kind of goes off in the early morning hours and just like, I need some time alone he gets away by himself on a regular basis. He's on a boat and there's a storm and he is sleeping. We're talking about super chill Jesus. <laughs> like, how does this picture of Jesus compare to the picture of Jesus we've had in our minds about like his, his hard work? Because we think about the work of Christ all the time. We think about the, the cross and we think about his life and his ministry. And we think about, but we like, when you stop and take a step back and you look at all the, um, the, all the times he's like eating and hanging out and chilling by a well, you know, uh, like when you think about all that he's doing, like there's a lot of rest in his life. And so what is it in Christ that gives him this like permission to, on one of the busiest days, you know, of their ministry to just like check out and go like, let's go get something to eat. What is it about him? And I, I think it's tied to, a really healthy understanding of healthy rhythms of rest, a really healthy understanding that, that rest is holy. And actually that's the sermon title today is the holiness of rest, the holiness of rest. He has this beautiful understanding of it. And for him, I mean, like it's, it just seems to be so tied to just part of his identity. As much as I would say he's a hard worker, this is, this is a restful man. He's a man who knows how to enjoy his rhythms of rest. So what is it that Jesus understands? What is he picking up on? Is, is this something that, that others should have gotten or not? And I think, I think it's tied very deeply into the identity of Israel in the law itself. In the law itself. It's tied specifically to the command that we read um, in Exodus 20. And this is a super interesting command. And, and um, because what we have is... is uh, if, you, if you've ever like studied the Ten Commandments, 
uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, like four of these like God focused and then uh, six of these like human focused, like outward focus and then upward focus, you know, people try to break this apart. I don't know if there's a perfect thing for it, but I think what's really interesting is that, that the Sabbath, the command to remember the Sabbath is one of only two of the commands that are positive commands and not like restrictions. He's telling them to remember and the other one is to honor your father and mother. The other ones are like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Remember and honor those. So there's two that are like positive, thought, like forward. And then the other thing is, this one is actually super pivotal because it's the transition from a focus on God to a focus on humanity. So here in this one, we actually get uh, where my two points are coming from, this transition, this idea that the rest, the Sabbath rest is all about honoring creation and honoring God. It's the perfect pivotal passage. And what's really crazy is how much time he spends in the Ten Commandments on Sabbath. Every other, like you get other commands that are like three words in the Hebrew. This one, it goes on, I think it was, I think it was like 80 words, something like that. It's, it's a, he's, they spent a lot, God, God spent a lot of time explaining the Sabbath. And so, What's up with this like super important thing that at the same time we look at the Ten Commandments and we're like, okay, don't kill, that makes sense, you know. Uh, don't you know? Don't steal, that makes sense, you know. Don't worship idols, that makes sense. But then you get to to the the rest one, take a Sabbath, and you're like, I guess we could do that. Like that's probably a good idea. And yet God spends, you know, multiple verses <laughs> to deal with this. It's this pivotal verse. It's one of the two positive commands. It's interesting how we can overlook it because in our society, rest is not really truly valued. We're a society who says work hard and then you're gonna earn enough. And built into Israel's laws was this, this, this rule, this command to remember the Sabbath. And I think this is what Jesus understands deeply. He has a deep understanding of what the Sabbath is. And so what I would like to do is, is go ahead and read that passage one more time, um, Exodus 28 through 11. Exodus 28 through 11. Um, and then we'll, we'll dive into those two points, honor creation and honor God. I'm going to break those down a little bit further. Uh, all right, so uh, Exodus 28 uh, and following. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but... The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work on it. You, your son or daughter, uh, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. <clears throat> For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Like I said, I mean, this is, this is the longest portion of, uh, for a single rule uh, in the Ten Commandments. And here we see these two, these two concepts, honoring creation and honoring God. In, within honoring creation, we actually see uh, multiple levels. Uh, and I hope that maybe some of this is going to surprise you a little bit. Because this isn't just about honoring humans' creations, uh, honoring yourself, I think, is important. You need to take care of yourself. Honoring yourself as a human that God has created. But also honoring others. Also honoring animals. Also honoring the land. That's all included in this idea of a Sabbath. 
and we'll, we'll get there. But let's start off with honoring all humans, including yourself, okay? First of all, the law says it's for you and for your family, for the servants or slaves, and even uh, for any foreigners living in the land. The point is that the Sabbath rest is for all humans, no matter what their age, their gender, their social status, uh, their ethnicity. Everybody deserves this rest. Everybody should get this rest. I would dare to say this is a human right. God views rest as a human right. Like, that's pretty big. Like, to say, like, you recognize rest is just as important as eating. If you don't rest, if you don't stop to rest, you will break down. You can't handle going and going and going and not resting. Rest is for all. Doesn't matter, your, like I said, your gender, your social status, your class, none of it, all of it is tied to, like, you are, you are a, a, an image bearer of God and you deserve the rest that God has laid out for you. So it doesn't matter if they come from, you know, they're foreigners. It doesn't matter if they're servants in your household. Everybody gets rest. Everybody. And I found it really interesting that the words of Exodus twenty eleven are not an exact quote of Genesis 2. Because what he's doing, he's saying, he ends uh, this verse, he says, uh, for the Lord made the heavens and earth, all that. And he's he's not quoting. He's actually, I would say, going beyond just just like paraphrasing. He's actually, um, he's interpreting. There's an interpretation happening. Because there's a different word for rest used here in Exodus 20 than is used in Genesis 2. There's a different word. The word for rest in Genesis 2 is Shabbat or Shabbath, uh, you know. <clears throat> but the word for rest in, in Exodus 20 is nuach. They're two different words, mean two different things. And yet we translate it as rest in both and we just, we miss the beauty of what's happening here. The idea of Shabbat or Shabbath, uh, that is the idea of just stopping work. He stopped his work. The idea of nuach is to relax, to refresh, to take care of yourself. And so the, the idea, the, t- the temptation oftentimes is to, well, we celebrate, we remember the Sabbath, the Shabbat, you know. Uh, and so we remember, we remember to stop from our work. And here in this command, he says, it's more than that. It's nuach. It's relaxation. It's rest. It's not just stopping your work. Take some time to care for yourself. That's That's huge. That's beyond what, you know, I think oftentimes we get this picture, but uh, I think we miss that idea of refreshing and relaxing ourselves. Sometimes it's like, well, I took my day off and I, then I, you know, got all my chores done. You know, I, I took a day off work, but I, man, we just keep going. We don't truly know how to rest. I mean, when was the last time you really took a full day to rest? Where you were like, I don't have any chores today. I don't have work today. I'm not going out and, and like taking care of other people today. I'm just going to refresh myself today. That's a rare occasion, I think, even like for, for me. Uh, and I think, I think it's a probably a rare occasion for many of us. And the reality was that for the Pharisees in Jesus' day, the idea of stopping became the main focus. In fact, it became so important to them, the idea of Sabbath, Shabbat, the idea became so important to stop work that they began to build up all these rules, how to stop. You weren't allowed to walk too far. You weren't allowed to prepare your meals. 
You just had to like do literally nothing. They were like, stop, stop. But what the Pharisees missed completely was the idea of refreshing and relaxing. It's like they focused so hard on Shabbat that they missed out on Nuach. Sorry, I'm going back and forth with this Hebrew stuff. Um, They focused so much on one, they missed the other. And Jesus comes and he corrects all this. In fact, we know uh, Jesus is, when he, when he comes and he starts to, his disciples, they're picking grains on the Sabbath day. They're picking, like, on this holy day. They're, they're getting stuff to eat, and they're eating, and they're going along. And the Pharisees come along, like, what is up with this? You know you can't be working. They can't be gleaning the fields on Sabbath. And he's like, they needed some food. They need to take care of themselves. Chill out, you know? Um, Jesus heals on the Sabbath intentionally. I mean, like, it seemed very intentional. And he points out, he's like, look, if one of your animals fell into a ditch and, like, was hurt, you would, you would take care of them. You would pull them out, you know what I mean? You would, uh, you would get them out. You would help them. Why wouldn't we help a human being, a fellow human being? The idea is that, that rest, you should take care of yourself and also be thinking about how do I care for others, Rest that you get is for you and for those around you. So the Pharisees don't really get it. You know, uh, they're focused on that, the, the word for Sabbath specifically, but they're not thinking about the idea of refreshing themselves and caring for themselves. And Jesus has to explain to them, like, it's beyond all that. And he, and he goes farther. Jesus says, Jesus says, like, look, the Sabbath wasn't, uh, or man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for the man, for the human we weren't meant to like strive to, to make sure we met this law perfectly. This law was given to us as a gift to refresh us. That's what Jesus is saying. And like the Pharisees have turned this into the thing where now all of a sudden the, the Israelites are serving the Sabbath day in a way that became unhealthy and not restful. And Jesus is like, that's not, that's not what this whole thing's about. And this is so important for us as, as modern Americans because the mindset that tells us just keep working, work harder, keep going. If you don't have enough money, take another day of work. Just keep going. You know, um, that mindset that says, well, if they don't have enough money, they should just work harder, right? Well, all they can get is that minimum wage job. Well, then tell them to get two jobs and make sure that they work harder and get, that, get, get the money that they need to take care of their family, that's the way the American mindset oftentimes can come off. And the reality is that like, that's so unhealthy. If rest is essentially a human right for everybody of all social classes, all ethnicities, you know, if, if rest is intended for all, who, how dare we expect them to do things that we are not even having to do, you know? Expecting someone else to do something that we're not even having to do. I would love it, and I, this is never going to happen. I would love it if the church became like the, the like driving force behind a Sabbath for all movement. Like we were like, all of you guys who can't support your family, come to us. We will take care of your paycheck and make sure you get a day off, okay? Like I would love it if the church would do that. Church, church isn't like, that's not going to happen. Um, we can, we can do our best to care for those around us. Maybe we can help some, someone else have a little bit more rest. Um, but the least we could do is vote for laws that help to care for those who, who don't have enough, who need rest. 
maybe maybe there are there are different things that we can vote for to help actually create a little bit more space and a little bit more rest for those on on a lower income basis, you know. But I digress. I'm not trying to get all political on y'all, but I'm just saying, like, I do think the Bible impacts all of these things in our lives. And I think if we understand how God understands rest, I think we can't look at the, we can't look at the foreigner or the stranger or look at the poor person who is uh, at the low end of society and say, yeah, they just need to work harder. It's not my responsibility. We can't do that. We can't say that we believe that God's Sabbath matters, that rest matters for me, but it doesn't matter for them. Rest matters. So, <clears throat> healthy rhythms of rest are not just focused though on our rest as humans, but actually beyond that, for animals as well. Uh, <laughs> this is interesting, right? He doesn't just say to you and, and your servants, but he says, also to, also to your, your animals, <laughs> they get a day of rest. Because on the day that you're not working, he's like, don't set them up on a plow and set some kind of contraption up so they just keep driving fields forward. You know what I mean? Don't do that and take your rest. Give your animals a rest. Let them take a break. The Sabbath is not just for you. It's for all of creation. And so these animals deserve a break. I think it's interesting because even in, in the law, there's this law that says, do not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain. The idea is don't keep it from eating while it's working. Give the animal a break. You know, it can drive animals like to, to be the, because we think, well, we have dominion over the animals, right? We're supposed to be able to do this. No, no. I'm telling you now, a good king does not mistreat his subjects, so if you have dominion over the animals, then you should take really good care of them. Be a good king. Be a good queen. Yes, queen. Okay, sorry. I don't know why I said that. Forgive me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, take good care of your animals. And, and I think about this. I think about, like, those moments when my dog is lying beside me with his belly turned upside down just so I can scratch him. And I'm scratching his belly, and I'm sitting there watching something. Like, that's a holy moment. That's a holy moment. That's a moment of rest for my animal that he gets. And I think we could take this further. We could ask like, well, how does the treatment of animals and our food products affect things? You know, we could, we could go real far with all this. I think we do need to ask the question, what, what, at, to what extent are we expecting uh, the animals to serve us and not giving them rest? And, and yet at the same time, like, like just thriving off of the benefits of them, you know? That is not what a good caretaker does. When God said that you take, you know, that you have dominion over the, over the land of the field, over the, over the cattle, over all that, he wasn't saying like, go and just exploit it all. He's saying, it's your job to take really good care of this stuff. Which takes me to my next part of creation, which is the care for, um, care for the land, honoring the land. Even though it doesn't explicitly say it in this one on Sabbath, in this verse on Sabbath, there's actually another verse that talks about uh, giving the land rest. Every seven years, let it lie. Don't plant in it. Give it a year of rest. The land gets a Sabbath. Like, that's strange, but it makes sense. Actually, it's really good for the land, uh, and it helps it to continue to produce. But um, it's so important 
check this out. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I thought this was so interesting. It's so important that in Leviticus 26, uh, 34 through 35, when, when Israel had abandoned their Sabbaths for the land, here's what happens. It says this, Then the land will make up for its Sabbaths, uh, and Sabbath years, during the time it lies desolate, while you are in the land of your enemies. At that time, the land will rest and make up for its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate. It will have re- the rest it did not have during your Sabbaths when you live there. They're going in, they're, they're going to end up in exile because they did not honor the land. And God's like, and guess what? While you're in exile, while you've been taken captive by some foreign nation, the land's going to get the rest it never got. God cares about the land. It's real. I mean, like, it's his. And he made you, uh, he gave you dominion over it to make you a caretaker of it, you know? And so thinking about creation care, like, our rest, like healthy rhythms of rest are not just about caring for refreshing me, but about caring for and refreshing others, voting for laws that offer more rest, thinking about the way that I treat animals, thinking about the way that I treat the land. Maybe think about like, what are some ways that we can give the land rest? Maybe pollute less, you know, maybe uh, recycle more, maybe grow a garden. You know, there are lots of ways, different things. And I'm not telling you, you need to do all of these. There's, like, this is a huge responsibility. We're not going to be able to fix it all. You're not going to be the one to resolve all the issues. But you can ask the Lord, what's something that you can do to make a difference in this world? To honor creation, because that is essentially what this rest is all about. That's what healthy rhythms of rest look like. But it's not just about honoring, cre- honoring creation. This, this law is also about honoring God. Healthy rhythms of rest honor God. And so we honor God by honoring his creation, obviously, right? Like when you take care of the things that he gave you, uh, all of a sudden it's like, wow, you're, t- you're honoring the one who gave that to you, you know? Um, it makes sense. So that's one way that we honor God, simply by taking care of creation. Um, but uh, God ties the Sabbath directly to his own actions, this is the other, another way that we honor God. And he ties the Sabbath to his own actions. In verse 11, it says that for the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. The reason you take a Sabbath is because the Lord took a Sabbath. Because the Lord called it holy. Now, holy, you may not, fully understand what holiness is. Like oftentimes when you think about holiness, you might think about like moral uprightness. Actually, holiness just means set apart. Set apart for a specific purpose. And so the idea is, is kind of like a wedding dress. A wedding dress is used like one day of your entire life. You spend a lot of money on it. You put it in a bag and you make sure it's nice and ready for the wedding day. You wear it on the wedding day and then you put it back in the bag and you keep it nice and tidy for the rest of your life. And if you were to wear that wedding dress on any other day, it would be very strange. And people might look at you like, what are you doing? Like show up at a, you know, I I don't know, show up at a job interview in your wedding dress. You know, there's lots of ways you could do this. (laughs) The idea like is that this dress is very, has a very specific purpose. It's very valuable. It has meaning behind it. It's tied to covenant. It's tied to purity. It's, it's tied to all these beautiful symbols. And so you use it for this one thing and this one thing only. 
that is holiness. That is a holy dress. That's a holy dress. That, the idea is it's set apart for a specific purpose. It's special. And when God gives you something special, you don't go, oh, you know what? I got my favorite dress I wear on Saturday nights to the club. I'm going to wear that instead to my wedding, you know. Um, that's, that's not the way we function. We don't wear the wedding dress to the wing buffet either. You know what I mean? Like, that is not a good idea. Just destroy it. I don't know. Maybe if that's like your bride thing, like you're like, as a bride, I want to go to a wing buffet in my, in my dress, and it's going to have meaning to it, whatever. But my point is, like, there's something that's set aside for some specific purpose, and God says the Sabbath is a day that is set aside for the specific and beautiful purpose, and for you to take it and, and not take advantage of the rest that he offers. To the day that he said, this is holy, this is good, this is set apart, use it to rest, and then you take it and you go, you know, I mean, like, it's cool, but I, I got some chores to get done. You know, I got, you know, I got to make some money, you know. We miss out on honoring God in that way. So, um, yeah, I think this idea of the holiness of the Sabbath day, simply truly honoring it, truly making time for rest in your life, is actually uh, honoring to God because it's something that he said is special. It's good. He says it's special to him. So who are we to say, I, I don't need that, you know? Man, and when we don't participate in the, in the rhythms of rest that God has set apart for us, we actually dishonor God, the God who gave us the gift, you know? Rest is a much needed gift too. Rest is not just for our enjoyment, but for our survival, um, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's, it's a human need. Like, you need to rest or you will break down. I said this uh, the last time I preached when I talked about work. And there's this lady that I met at the hospital who she was working 60 to 80 hours a week. Uh, and she just wore herself down. And one day she came home and she just collapsed. She couldn't use her legs all of a sudden. And she was laying on the bathroom floor for three days and finally got out. Like, if you remember the story. They got her to the hospital, got some, some fluids in her so that she was able to survive, um, and she was okay. But, like, you understand your body can't handle not having rest. It's a need. You have to stop. You have to take a break. You have to refresh yourself. Like, it's good for you. And so this is why it's so important for us to think about rest being something that's part of our, our lives, our rhythms, it helps us to stay healthy enough to continue to do what God's called us to do, you know? But also when we stop, when we just stop working, we remember that it's not us that's providing for ourselves. God's the provider. Your rhythms of work are all about participating in his work. It's not about earning something. It's about participating in bringing beauty and goodness and truth into this world. And so you can stop and take a break because the work goes on without you. The work goes on without you. And so the idea of saying, I'm going to take a day off, and that may be hard. That may be scary for some. For some, that's like, I don't know if I can afford it. I really don't. I, like, I don't know if I could do that. And, and I think, I don't think your body can afford not to, to do that, like honestly. Um, man, and I, and I think this is hard to say because I'm not in that position where I have to make that decision, you know. 
Um, so it's, uh, it's a little bit unfair, but I, it's, it's something that, like, you know, take advantage of every government, uh, uh, you know, opportunity you have. Take whatever you can and get that day of rest. It's not, it's not wrong to take, to take the, uh, the Medicaid and to take the, uh, the, the help that's offered by the government and then also take a day of rest. You don't have to feel guilty about that, you know? Because rest is, is really, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. And so healthy rhythms of rest are, are going to be important for honoring God in, in that, like, that day is holy. And that we say, like, if God says it's, it's important, then it's important. We're going we're gonna to say, okay, we're going to give that back to you because it's yours. Um, and also because we want to take care of ourselves, take care of creation and all, and all these things. These are all ways that we're honoring God in this. And when you stop working, you ultimately are saying, God, I trust you. I trust that without this day, you've got this covered. You've got me covered. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Um, now, I know I mentioned Chick-fil-A last time I was here. Uh, I love Chick-fil-A. I'm not going to be shy about that. I'm going to make a bold statement. I love Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> uh, they don't pay me. Uh, uh, anyway, so I know I mentioned Chick-fil-A last time, but I'm going to do it again. As you know, when you leave here today, and if you forgot, you're already going, oh, yeah, they're not open, right? Like, you know that you're not going to be able to go get your favorite, your chicken sandwich or your favorite uh, sauce with the fries and all that. You know that when you leave here, that's not an option. Why? Because Chick-fil-A has chosen to close on Sundays. It's a decision they made a long time ago, and then uh, the children of the owner decided to keep that going. The idea was, like, we're going to honor God's Sabbath, we're going to say, you know, we're not going to work. And by one estimate uh, by Business Insider, Chick-fil-A loses around a billion dollars a year uh, by closing on Sundays. That's a big loss. And at the same time, in that same article, they said, and we think it's the most brilliant business move they've ever made. Uh, the idea is uh, it seems to be, like from a business standpoint, seems to drive up business throughout the week because like, everybody's like, oh, if we don't get there on Saturday, we're not going to have it on Sunday, you know? And then Sunday is over and you're like, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A, it's, you know? It's funny how it, is, it does kind of drive up business. It does help out. So I, I don't know how it would balance itself out if they started come opening on, on Sundays. But that's not, I mean, that's beside the point. The reality is that they didn't do it as a business, business tactic. They did it because they were like, we need to honor God in this, you know? And it's paid off. It's actually paid off. It's really, it's really interesting. Sometimes the things that we do that seem irrational, don't seem like good business moves, don't seem like a good, you know, move for ourselves, when we're doing it to honor God, we find that like it actually, doing things God's way actually pays off in the long run. It actually is helpful and, and is healthy for you. And you'll realize that the work you ha- that you do throughout the rest of the week is better because you've had that rest. But uh, honoring God goes beyond that because it, all of this is, is it points us, all of this, the whole law and everything, not just the Sabbath law, but all of the law points us to Jesus ultimately. And so I want to kind of pull this, take us back to Jesus a little bit. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. In fact, our rhythms of rest point us back to him. Your rhythms of rest proclaim the gospel. In case you didn't realize that, like your rhythms of healthy rest pro- proclaim the gospel. Um, and this is the last way the rhythms of rest honor God. Um, they were intended to invoke worship of Christ. That's essentially what they were supposed to do, the, all of the laws. And as I mentioned before, the stories of Jesus, are, they're filled with uh, all these, like, the embodiment of rest. 
over and over and over. This rhythm continues with Jesus. And this is why Jesus ends this statement of, like, that I mentioned earlier, the Sabbath being made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Uh, he ends that statement with saying that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. All of this points to him. Your rest points to Christ. And in the Gospel of Matthew, the, message, or the passage comes uh, right after Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here Jesus is saying, Connect yourself to me. And you'll see how I shoulder the burdens that you have. The yoke back then, if you haven't like, heard of this before, the yoke is like what they put on the oxen and they link them together and they can pull more together because they're working together. Jesus is saying like, take my yoke and he's gonna take your burdens. The, the difficult striving that you're working towards constantly, he's gonna, he's gonna shoulder it. What burdens uh, do you bear though? What's the burden that he offers to give to you then also that's supposedly restful? The Sabbath rhythms, uh, like the rest of the law, was given to point us to Jesus. And in the Sabbath, we find rest for our labor. Similarly, in Christ, we can stop the striving, uh, the endless striving for God's favor because uh, we're climbing this infinite ladder that try to reach this infinite God this transcendent, far beyond us, God. We climb this ladder of goodness, hoping that we'll get there. And Jesus says you can stop all that striving because he becomes the infinite God that crosses the infinite ladder and comes down to us. You can rest. You can rest in that way. And this is exactly what Jesus does. On the cross, Jesus takes our burden of death and striving and consequences, all of our sin, and he invites us to take his righteousness. He sees all those moments where we have failed to honor God with our rhythms of rest. And all the ways we fail to honor God uh, with, those, um, with, with, with the way we treat creation. And all the ways we fail to honor him in, in all, of, all of these ways that we are supposed to rest. And he takes all of that burden and he places it on himself. And he allows it to do its worst. This is, I, I think this is, this is something that kind of stood out to me as I was writing this, actually. It like, kind of jumped out at me. But Jesus becomes the animal sacrifice that relieves our burdens and the animal's burden. And Jesus' blood pours down onto the land. And symbolically, in the way that they would take the blood of the animal and sprinkle it in the temple to purify it and call it holy, Jesus' blood is healing the land. There's like this beautiful picture happening on the cross that he's doing more than healing you and me. All of creation, scripture says, Paul says, all of creation waits and groans for the revealing of the sons of God. There's a day when all of creation will be able to rest. Where it will no longer have the thorns and thistles that we have created through our sin. Where it will no longer strive under a heavy-handed, heavy uh, you know, oppressor. All of creation, you, me, land, animals, everything included, will have rest one day. And your rest points to that future rest that only comes through Christ. And that's, that's the beauty of, of 
what's going on here as we see what Christ offers this rest. He makes it possible for all of this to happen. It points us forward to that day. And if you think about the burden we place on ourselves, on others, and, and the rest of creation, it's honestly impossible to truly get rest. Like if you really sit there and think about it for a second, like those moments when you're like, I'm going to take a nap. Like if you stop and you're like, yeah, but there are children starving across the world. Oh yeah, but there's, you know, you could stop and think about, or you, you sit there and eat your, your you know, you'd sit down and eat a $20 meal and you're like, this is great. But like if all you could think about was those Debbie Downer moments, have y'all remember Debbie Downer on SNL? She just comes in and ruins every good thing. Like your thoughts can become intrusive like that. If, all, if you were really to think about the realities of what's going on in the world, you would never be able to rest. And yet Christ frees us of that burden when he says, I take all of that. Yes, you failed. I will take that. I'll take that upon myself. The burden you place on the land, the burden you place on the animals, and the burden you place on others and on yourself, I can take all of that onto myself so that you can have rest. True, genuine rest. Because you can be forgiven for that. He can take the consequences for that. All of this burden is lifted onto Christ, and then he invites us into his resurrection rest, you know? We can participate in those rhythms of rest that honor creation and honor God, and yet, even though we fail many times, uh, we can always come right back to those rhythms. So I want to close with this. Uh, I mentioned that our American work ethic uh, has been all about working hard and pulling ourselves up, our own bootstraps, that kind of thing, like work more so you can earn more, that idea. But there's also another... uh, ethic of work out there. There's a, the more like European and, and even some companies today, a lot of software companies and stuff are like embodying this. They're going, you know, instead of like working our people to death and driving them forward, what if we gave them like, what if we created space inside of our building so that they could go and take a nap? Or what if, what if we were like, hey, take more days off? All of a sudden they're like, man, our workers are working way harder. Like this is really cool. In reality, that, that, that way of thinking, that business mindset is there specifically to drive up more work. Yes, like they want to refresh you. Sure, I say keep going, you know, Facebook and, you know, all of you guys, you know, keep going. But the reality is that they have an intent. Their goal is to say, if we give them this, then we're going to get this. Can I say that the rhythms of rest that God gives you are not just to get you back out there working. It's not, a, it's not a tactic God is using to get something more out of you. And I think sometimes we can view it like that. Well, I got my day off, so I better get back to work, you know. Uh, I, get, I, you know I, I guess I better, you know, keep on, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, you know, whatever. I better keep on going. I got my day off. And I have to say that rest is not just a means to an end of more work, but it's also an end in itself. God wanted you to rest. Not just to strive to do more, but to truly be able to rest. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 